talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday from your crew here at Cleveland.com. I'm Nathan Baird, along with Stephen Meads and Doug Maurice. And Stephen and I just came back from the magical annual tradition that is known as Move-In Day. Doug, were you one of the like founders of Move-In Day on the Ohio State beat? No. The I late tonight, there was like a rumor out there that like you were involved in like why this became the extravaganza that it is today. Um, so the late Jim Davidson, who was a, just a, an absolutely fantastic sports photographer at the Ozone for many, many years and, and very sadly passed away recently, was the guy to me who was out there. He was always out there. And back in the day at the Ozone, and I'm sure there are people listening to this who remember the Ozone and its heyday, it's still around. But John Parentis was the founder of that site, sort of like the really like uh, John Parentis maybe invented the Internet. So they were in really early and they were really photo heavy. And it's because Jim was so excellent and he would go out and do it. And it was like, hmm, they are getting a lot of juice out of this. So then. You know, I started on the beat in 05. I don't know the first time I went, but I know I was there when Terrell Pryor moved in in 08 because Terrell Pryor brought a big screen TV. And it was like, well, this might be indicative. And again, not that I wouldn't bring a big screen TV if I had it, but it was like most players did not bring their own big screen TV to have in their hotel room. I was going to say, were they moving into a hotel back then or was it just like a dorm? I got I can't know. It was a hotel. It was right on uh, Olentangy River Road. It's torn down now. There's a Marriott there, but it's like an older, like a much older place. And it was like he just wanted a bigger TV to play video games on while he was at camp, which is not unreasonable. But it was like, well, this guy is kind of like next level. Right. So I was definitely there for that. There were some photos of me possibly looking like I was lurking in the bushes for that. I was accidentally lurking Buckeye talk, but. Uh, but by then, in 08, there were a lot of us there. It wasn't like I was the only person there. So I've been there a lot. I obviously have not gone the last couple of years, but I think one of the – I was looking for it today. I couldn't find it. I did a video probably five years ago where I went around and asked all the other reporters, like, why are you here? Like, why do we do this? This is insane. And then I made a video of it, and everybody was – Kevin Noon was like, I'm here because I have nothing else to do and my life is sad. And Steve Hellwagon was like, I have nowhere else to go. Like everybody was hilarious. I loved it. Everybody was in the spirit of it because it is insane, right? Do people still think that? Again, I haven't been there the last couple of years. Were you guys all out there on Sunday night thinking, well, this is nuts? Yes. Yes. Yes, we did. And some of our texters um, responded and said, you guys are crazy. What are you doing? But then other people enjoy it. Other people like the, the, the frivolity of it. It's, it's a fun night. There's obviously, I mean, listen, there's players who just walk in with a bag wearing what they would always be wearing on a Sunday afternoon and whatever. I think of it as more of just like a, it's a, it's a photo op and a fashion show. So there's guys who really play up to it. You know, Toby Wilson has done it now a couple of years, although to get to what you were just saying, Doug, the kind of the sadness of the media side of things, he came, he and Zach Herbstreet walked in together. Very like one of them. It was kind of like they got their Tom Cruise movies mixed up because like Toby Wilson showed up a little bit like Tom Cruise out of Rain Man with like a gray suit and a white shirt. Mm. And then uh, Zach Herbstreet showed up looking like a little bit like Goose or, or uh. Rooster, or whatever the, the the new one is out of uh, the Top Gun movies. And I'm like, oh, I think you kind of mix matched it. But then they both like dressed down, like got more casual, came back out and were like mingling in with the media. And somebody, I can't remember if it was Austin Wall or, or Bill Landis said to them, uh, you know, it's not a good thing if 
you guys look like us out here, right? <laughs> like, it's not, it isn't, you guys don't want to, like, blend in seamlessly with the horde of guys who are standing out here tonight. Use the word fun. I'm not going to use the word fun. It's very weird. And it's even more weird when there's normal people who are checked. Because this is just a yeah. normal hotel. And That's they're my favorite checking part of the Yeah, they're checking in and they're very confused as to why all these people are outside. This is a every year this tradition becomes more and more of us looking at each other like, what if none of us showed up next year? Knowing that all of us are going to be back out there. And so then we look at Jerry and Mick and go, can you stop? What if you just stop telling us this was happening? Which he's yeah, not going to do thing- that either. The one thing I think might be worth it at some point is for us to get a hotel room the first night in the hotel. That was a conversation too, actually. I don't remember who I was having it with, but like, what if I just checked into the hotel for next week? Not a terrible idea. And the other thing is back in the day. And again, I remember having this conversation with Jim Davidson of like, why are you there back then? That was the first time we had eyeballs on the guys because they checked in before camp started. Yep. So it was like, why are you here? And Jim Davidson, again, he was tremendous at his job and he was a grinder, man. He was supremely talented and a grinder, which is if you're talented and you also grind, I cannot have any more respect for you. Again, it's so tragic that he passed away. There are a lot of people listening to this that, that know this. And I was, was unfortunate. They had a memorial service for him, like the first day of Big Ten Media Days when we were in India. And it was like, oh, I was like, oh, man, I would love to go pay my respects to this guy who was such an incredible contributor for Ohio State fans because he was their eyeballs. He was a great photog and he was everywhere. But he would, he said, well, I'm here because we haven't seen these guys since March. Because like back then, even sometimes the spring stuff would be earlier. I guess I know it was actually later. They would start in April. Anyway, we haven't seen these guys since April. And I want to see if someone looks like he gained 15 pounds. I want to see if a guy looks like, oh, he had a freshman body last year and now he's ripped. Like there was there were real football reasons that he would show up back then. And then also it was the first exposure that a lot of fans were getting to these players they're so interested in. We have not seen them for four months or three months. So I want to see them. And he'd put up these gigantic galleries and would get hundreds of thousands of views. So it was like, well, he's great at it. What if I show up and I'm terrible at it, but I I try to do one twentieth of what he's doing, right? And just in case, what if something's interesting? And then Terrell Pryor showed up with the big screen TV. And it was like, oh, no, this is interesting. I do think it's Jump the Shark because we've already watched them practice twice. And now the guys are leaning into the crazy outfits thing. But then also that's kind of fun. So you guys have to decide either everybody is there or you guys have to decide nobody's coming, but then one person will go and get the scoop and they'll be like, okay, now we have to go again. Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. The first year that somebody is on crutches at move in day, but there's only one media outlet there. Then next year there'll be 40 again. It'll be the, the whole crowd. It is my favorite thing about move in night is still those awkward moments where it's like a family of six gets out. And I think that happened tonight. I think they may have even been foreign and they just like, what is happening right now? Why, why is this like, I'm uh, they're walking into a movie premiere and they're uh, Scarlett Johansson and whoever she's married to now, like just fun, fun toast. Colin Jost. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, so Pete Davidson and that Kardashian broke up though. You guys know that, right? I, Oh yeah. Who, how could you miss that important piece of news? Did not know that until you just said it right now. Yeah. I do not like Pete Davidson, but he, I'm, I'm sad that he broke up with his girlfriend. So anyway, totally care. I mean, he'll find <laughs> he's very famous. He's very famous. 
He is very I, I, I don't enjoy his comedy. I mean, I actually enjoy his comedy more than this concept that I'm supposed to ever care who he's dating. But that seems yeah. to be a very present thing in American pop culture, which is maybe <laughs> why I try to recede from American mm. pop culture as much as possible. I have teenage daughters, so I am not allowed uh, to recede. That's that's I hear I hear where you're coming from. Whilst we were at move in night, I guess actually a little bit later, we're going to throw in a little bit of basketball here, but it's going to round back around to, to football talk. Ohio State got another commitment. Is this the fourth commitment for this class, Stephen? Four, fourth commitment for the class, the second one in the last the week. week. Yeah. yeah, Scotty Middleton, tell us, just for people who may not know, a quick synopsis of who he is. Scotty Middleton, number 34 player, number six small forward, four-star recruit. He's from South Carolina, but he's played in New Jersey at the Patrick School, which was formerly St. Patrick's. High school, it's the same school as like Kyrie Irving went there and the, some other guys went there. And now he's at Sunrise uh, Christian, which is in Wichita, Kansas. So he's been kind of all over the place. But top 40 recruit, that go, you pair him with Devin Royal, who's the, an in-state guy, number 73 player, number 14 small forward in the country, who actually played with Sonny Styles and at Pickerington Central High School. They won a state championship this past year. So they probably would have been favorites to repeat that had Sonny Styles decided he didn't want to come play football earlier than normal. And yeah. You pair that with George Washington, the third, number 60 player, the number nine shooting guard. You pair that with Austin Parks, the number 105 player, the number 12 center. And you pair that with what they had in the recruiting class that's now on campus. Now, that was a top 10 recruiting class. And this is the first time in maybe a decade. No, a decade since Ohio State's had back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes on the basketball side. And so now it's... I mean, we've been kind of waiting on next step, Chris Holtman. I mean, you just put better two together two back-to-back classes. All these guys are not going to be one and dones, even if you do get one Malachi Brandon out of that. So this is enough talent that we shouldn't be asking these questions on are we getting out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament anymore. Sunrise, Chris, the number, the number six class in 2014, number five class in 2015. So that's the ah, last okay. time they had back-to-back top 10. And Sunrise Christian's been churning out like a lot of high major talent for a while now. Buddy Heald was from um, Sunrise Christian, a kid that I covered at Purdue, Matt Harms came out of mm-hmm. Sunrise Christian. So they've been like getting a bunch of guys out of there um, in recent years. And um, to, it's a bit of a factory. So this class right now is ranked number one in the country, correct? Third, it's behind Third, Duke okay. in Kentucky. So behind two blue buds where it makes kind of makes it's no different than in football if you're behind alabama and georgia then okay you're doing something so number three in the country this ohio state football class is ranked as of tonight third also number three in the country so which class at the end of their cycle is ranked higher football so steven steven tweeted this read your tweet steven because it's why we're having this conversation because you sort of broached it uh you asked the question on twitter yeah a couple hours ago right Yes, I did. Uh, serious, serious question, comma, who finishes with a higher rated recruiting class between Ohio State football and basketball teams? That's and I think it's a reasonable thing to ask because Ohio State wanted four guys in this class. They've achieved that. Now there's one more guy out there that they might go get. And that's Dalen Swain, who's also an in-state kid, top 50, top 100 recruit as well. So if they end up with five, it's because that kid comes along for the ride as well. But uh, I mean, they're right in it to be the number one class in the country. Cause it's not like Duke and or Kentucky's going to add that many more people Ooh. in it. Cause those classes Ooh. are kind of, uh, which is like, I know, I, I know it's like, it. it's a, it's I, a, I, 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 I don't mean to be, I'm setting you up here by, by accident. 
No, not, not by accident. It's not my intention. Yeah. I want to make a point about Ohio State football and basketball, but it's they're more, not setting up to be the number one class in the country. They're, there's I mean, no way. They're 0.49 points behind Kentucky right now with a chance that they might add another guy. So let's see what Kentucky, I mean. Calipari reloads every year. So let's see how many more people Kentucky has in this class. While Duke's already at four. So we'll see here. But how far are they to the points are about four points. Duke's out a pretty significant lead there. So more than likely Duke's going to finish with the number one class in the country unless Kentucky goes crazy here over the next six months here. But I, I think I understand where you're going with here, Doug. This is a really, really, really good class for Ohio State. And if it peaks here, fine. While with Ohio State football, if they were in this position and I was, you'd probably be understanding if I said they're right there in the hunt for the number one class in the country. Yeah. So it's going to make me sound like I'm negative about basketball. I'm not. This is, this is great. This is like you string two classes like this back to back, two top 10 classes, big, right? That you're mm-hmm. like, you're filling out the roster. As you said, Stephen, I think it's a really good point. It's not all guys who are going to be in and out and gone right away. You can start thinking about when the current freshman class is in year three, and then this class that's coming together right now is in year two. And holy moly, you know, you might go six or seven or eight deep with really good, talented players who came here and are being developed and can lift this program to a place that it has not yet been in the Chris Mm -hmm. Holtman era. I, I, I think, Ohio State basketball fans should be really excited about that. I will say if the Ohio State basketball recruiting class for this year winds up higher ranked than the football class, I think football fans will be like jumping off a building because this class, and again, I'm not trying to be negative, but like you look at, so so they have this kid who might commit yet, right? And make it the fifth. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Swain? Yeah, Dalen Swain. From Columbus, Ohio as well. From Columbus. So they're at 65.09 points in this 247 composite rating right now, total points Mm -hmm. for the class. And you've taught me about the calculator. I put Swain in in the calculator, and he would lift them to 66.02. 66.02 for your overall class number last year would have made you ninth in the nation. Mm -hmm. And actually, eighth last year was Ohio State's class. That Ohio State, their last year class – was actually higher ranked than what this class probably could max out at, which is if they add this top 100 Columbus kid. So, and when you look right now, Ohio, there's only two basketball programs ranked among the top 60 right now that have four commits. It's Duke and Ohio State. So the numbers right now, these are some of the basketball teams that only have one commit so far. Purdue, uh, Arizona, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Kansas, Auburn, North Carolina, they only have one player while Ohio State has four. So we all know that there are ebbs and flows to recruiting. You were just talking about this, Stephen, with football, that Alabama is always behind, and then here they come. Mm-hmm. Like, Ohio State's not going to finish ahead of Kansas. It's just Kansas has one person right now. So the, the point that I want to make is that we – and again, Ohio State's third right now in basketball, and we're like, whoa, holy moly, third, that's awesome. And it is. Ohio State's third in football recruiting right now. And we're like, well, I don't know. Should they fold up the football program? Because they've had a bad month. So we try to, I think it is generally not fair to try to hold. It's not fair. No one thinks it's fair. You can't hold the Ohio State basketball program to the standard of the football program. That's 
not what we should be doing, but presenting something like in this, like who's going to end up higher. I will bet I will mark down whatever I can mark down that the Ohio state football recruiting class finishes higher than the basketball class, because if the football class finishes eighth or ninth, people are going to freak out. And I think this basketball class is probably going to finish between sixth and ninth. I don't think they're going to finish first, second, or third. They're just in early. They have great dudes. They all four of the guys I have are in the top one five. It's great. Mm-hmm. But it's just a reminder of we are talking about two different animals here with Ohio State football and Ohio State basketball. I think that's why I was good that you even suggested that we talk about it on the pod, because even with the way I'm serious question, right? It's The question is more of a praise to the basketball program than it is to the football program that I can even ask that question. Even if we all can sit here today and know that by the time we get to December, Ohio State's football recruiting class is probably going to be ranked higher. Yeah, and if, lot- you look at, if you look at the classes too, like uh, in football, Ohio State is third, has Georgia and Texas like right behind, and then there's like a bit more of a gap before you get down to like Oklahoma, LSU. It seems like Ohio State might have a f- top five floor in football, even with the lack of traction they've had here in the last couple of weeks. Whereas, as as Doug is saying in basketball, you've got it's a bit of a different cycle too, and you've got some guys coming. The last time that in in a year the basketball team was ranked higher in recruiting than the football team was 2015 when the basketball class was fifth yeah. and the football class was seventh. So um, that was that was a bit of a weird year in football because they were coming off like the 13 and 14 classes were pretty good and like you know it it, it was just almost like a numbers thing a little bit and that was the five-person Thad Mata class that was supremely highly ranked and imploded and led to his firing. So it's one of those things. Like, hey, what? So it's like, um, <laughs> that's you know. the sacrifice you make if you want a better recruiting class than the football team is you put together then, a group that's never going to last. Obviously, the standard sort of, I think, that we would still reference a lot for an Ohio State basketball recruiting class is the Jared Sullinger class, right? The Ohio yeah. heavy Jared Sullinger class of 2010 that was ranked third in the country. And the football program that year uh, was ranked 18th. So that was just, that was like sort of, that was at the end of the trestle stuff. And they, especially on the offensive line, were really tailing off and taking like a bunch of dudes who were really like, they just were not, there wasn't as much juice. They had a lot of juice in that prior class in 08. So anyway, that like, think about that third for basketball, 18th for football. If that happened now, again, people would, people would lose their minds. So if I had to guess, right, Ohio state football probably wind up, fourth fifth in this class and i would guess the basketball program ends up eighth. six or seventh mm-hmm. you know like it's not a huge gap but mm-hmm. that but what a goal it would be i mean that's what i mean again chris holtman it almost reached the point with mata and trestle it did reach the point where it was like well hey year to year who knows who's gonna have the better class if holtman could get there whoo what an accomplishment that would be so in the end here's doug again seeming to talk in a negative way about basketball i just want to make sure we are keeping our frame of reference here that Ohio state is Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and, and, you know, football, basketball, and the basketball team is just not there yet. Even their best, they don't have a top 25 player in this class. The highest ranked guy is 34th, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be classes in basketball, Stephen, that have two guys in the top 25, the highest state's highest ranked guy is 34th. If there was a, if the Ohio state's football class, the highest ranked player was 34th in the country, people will be worried. Right? So that's all, that's all. 
Ohio State basketball is not recruiting on the level of Ohio State football. But this is a very good week for Ohio State basketball, and they deserve credit for it. And Jake Diebler, I saw another buddy, some, another person said, like, hey, Jake Diebler, Brian Hartline, oh, right? Know. Like, like yeah. Jake Diebler's getting after it. Jake Diebler recruited Darius Garland to Vanderbilt. Jake Diebler, Jake Diebler knows how to get stuff done. So if you got an assistant, because I, I felt it's not to excuse Thad Mata, the head coach is responsible. But Thad, with his physical issues, at the end of Thad Mata, I thought his assistants let him down. I didn't think he had people who were sealing the deal for him. You know, after John Gross and, and Archie Miller and some of those guys left, I didn't think he had guys who were locking that down. If Holtman has a guy in Jake Diebler who, like, Jake Diebler's like, I'm going to go get this guy, oh, man, oh, man, does that help. So that's a great win for Ohio State with this kid. If Diebler can get Darius Garland, who was a five-star top 15 recruit in the country to go to Vanderbilt, Ohio State basketball is a better program than Vanderbilt. Yep. So it's only a matter of time before he gets a five-star here to Columbus. Um, to the point you're making about would Ohio State football fans be freaking out if their t- highest-rated recruit was 34? Well, Brandon Innes is 21, and then after that, Noah Rogers is 38. And then the, the highest-rated non-receiver, you know, the guy who always does his job well, is Luke Montgomery at 45. So to your point, Ohio State fans have been freaking out over the last couple of weeks, yeah, and that's yeah. why. <laughs> And it's also one of those things when we're talking about Ohio State football within the context of itself, we can say things like take out receivers. When we're trying to compare them to the basketball team, you can't take out the receivers, right? It, it would be like, that. well, take out the point guards. It's like, well, that's the thing they're really good at. So, um, yeah. But yes, to your point, I think people are a little, yeah, they're a little antsy because they only have one guy in the top 25. Before we stop talking about basketball, Stephen, any quick thoughts about what's going on in the Bahamas right now and if it means anything leading into this fall? This it, means, it means absolutely nothing to be completely honest with you it's a good, good job you went 2-0 uh against some you know foreign teams congratulations it doesn't mean anything it's just it's in a ballroom yeah it's 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 good because here's the one thing i will say if anything is good about it the players who are flashing are the young guys the young freshmen have been flashing a lot and for guys who are new to college basketball flashing no matter who it's against is always a good thing Anything outside of that is just, I mean, American basketball players are better than Egyptian basketball and, players. And, and those names are for people who don't follow closely. Yeah, hold on. Give me two seconds here. Because the other thing, I mean, and it's not like they're blowing them out. Both games, they played Egypt and no, Puerto Rico, and I think yeah, both games were competitive in the yeah, ballroom. Bruce, Listen, it's Bruce, team bonding. It's the first look yeah. at the young guys. Well, like, you get why they're doing it. But And those, those teams they're playing are, are – are Professional teams still. Exactly. They're not yeah. necessarily age-equated always. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce, uh, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Rice Sensabaugh, and Felix Lepora. Those are the four. There's five guys in this class, but those are the four guys you need to pay attention to because those yeah. are the four top 70 players. That's a little wrap-up. So are we marking it down? Does anyone want to mark down? I'll mark down Ohio State football. This is our appetizer, right? We've talked about mark it down appetizers. I'll mark down Ohio State football finishes higher ranked than Ohio State basketball. What what will you guys mark down? I will mark down that football um, may still drop from where it is, but we'll finish ahead of basketball because I think, like I said, I think it's a top five floor for them. Yeah, it's football just because – I mean, you just mapped it out. The last guy they possible at will only have, what, two two points to what they already have while Ohio State's – still in the running for some five stars that can, whether they get them or not, or whether they drop or maybe finish third in this, in this cycle. That's Football it is. Ryan Day. Ryan Day, if he sees Chris Holtman in the employee cafeteria, he can say, you're not getting me yet, Holtman. But again, great job. They're, they're, yeah. This is a great, this was a great week for the Ohio State basketball program. 
When we come back from the break, we are going to start marking it down. Ohio State All-Americans in football in 2022. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, and this is one of our annual Market Down Monday exercises, who will be the Ohio State players to get a tree in Buckeye Grove uh, for All-American status, which is first-team All-American status, but not necessarily just the five consensus lists. They expand it to like any legitimate list. Like last year, Noel Ruggles was an All-American for ESPN. He would get a tree in Buckeye Grove. They're, they're somewhat liberal about it, but it does have to be first-team. It is not just anybody who shows up on any list. And as that, have you seen that evolve a little bit over the years, Doug? And it seems like it's the right kind of inclusive, like especially because there are some positions like quarterback, for instance, where if you're really only dealing with those five lists, you're pinning yourself into not being able to recognize guys. Sometimes it, it's nice to to give yourself some more options. Well, I mean, expanding it hasn't helped the quarterbacks at all. I mean, like, no, that's JT Barrett's not in there. Braxton Miller's not in there. Dwayne Haskins isn't in there. Justin Fields isn't in there. Quarterback, I almost feel like they should have a separate mulch garden for really good quarterbacks because these guys don't make first team unless you win the Heisman. Right. Well, right? And I, which is crazy. You would think they'd have two quarterbacks on each team at this point, given where the sport is and how valuable that position well, is. I mean, I've, so I've, I've been on, I wasn't last year, but I've been on the football letters association, all American committee. And we've had conversations like that. I've pushed for something like that uh, on that team. There is a wild card spot, but people sort of like to assign that to a, you know, like a Curtis Samuel type. Right. And it's like, Like well, but is it all purpose or is it wild card? Because like, what are we doing? And I've, I've brought forth the idea of like, like, what are we doing? Like we have fought, but if you're trying to, but the other thing is because the thing, I think the thing that is a winning argument is a lot of all American teams still have two running back spots and there's not a team in the country that puts two running backs on the field at the same time. Right. So you're not reflecting right. what uh, what football looks like. So why don't we go? But if we want to do that, go back to one running back and three receivers. Or two, but like nobody plays two tailbacks and they pick two tailbacks. So if right. we're going to do that, then why not have a second quarterback? Like, I think you either have to be you're sticking to what a football team looks like or you're opening your mind. And it, at the moment, almost all the American teams are are halfway in between. Well, I think the truly unfortunate thing is, and we brought this up before, I know it used to be the case, the College Football Hall of Fame, you had to be a, a first-team All-American on one of the five yeah. major lists. And, and, yeah, again, in those years where you could have two great quarterbacks, but if one of them is slightly better than the other one and gets all the recognition, then the other guy gets gets hosed. Or sometimes there's two or three really good quarterbacks. I remember this coming up when I covered Purdue because people complained about Drew Brees, like is never going to be have a chance to be in the College Football Hall of Fame because he never made first team All-American, even though you threw for a, a billion yards or whatever. Yeah, no, we I can't remember what we ended up doing, but like that was a huge topic of conversation around Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. One of the mm-hmm. years. And like I really pushed for it with that argument. Like he can't get we might be able to we're, we're making him eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame by doing this. And we, and I think we did. So am I saying that I single-handedly got Trevor Lawrence in the college football hall of fame? Yes, I am. So I, I would say that like, I wish, I wish we could be open, more open-minded about it because, because I understand why, like, I, I don't know that Ohio state should say, well, let's make it the great player Grove, right? That Buckeye Grove is no longer all Americans because we want to put Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins and Braxton Miller and JT Barrett in there. I, I get why they wouldn't do that, but 
On the other hand, if you're not going to change how you pick the best players, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of very good players in Buckeye Grove. It's not the best players in Ohio State history because there's like a, a an offensive guard or a cornerback who happened to make one All-American team while there's a guy who was like the third, like Dwayne Haskins finished third in the Heisman voting, but he finished behind two other quarterbacks. So he was right. never going to make a first team All-American team. So he's not in there. I feel like. I think that should be on our site. That's an interesting thing, especially in this world now where at bare minimum, every other year Ohio State's going to have a Heisman Trophy finalist just because, the first, I mean, Justin Fields, year one, Heisman Trophy finalist. C.J. Stroud, year one, Heisman Trophy finalist. We'll see what happens in year two just because I think sometimes they can, they can work against you. I don't think it will for C.J., but it's like if you're going to have a Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback, yeah. I mean, that, that becomes almost like a way of selling your tradition. It's like you can get a tree here because you are a Heisman Trophy finalist. as a, And it's like well, – it, that can be a way for – I don't know if it necessarily works at every other position where there's multiple All-American spots, but at quarterback, you can specify it with that. Yeah, I get what 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 Doug is saying. I, I understand. It, you, you also don't want to water anything down by making it what you're saying, you know, the hall of the, – the, the Buckeye – the grove of really good players. And But I think – because you don't want there to be an argument about, well, this guy was All-American – status even though he didn't make all american but the one way you could get around that would be just change the criteria to be first team all american on any legitimate list or heisman trophy finalist all right top three or four heisman trophy vote getter gets you in as i am not 100 percent sure about this but that doesn't mean i'm not going to say on a podcast because if i only said things i was 100 percent sure about i would just sit here in silence i think jerry emig is the is the tree master I believe that's true. The great Jerry Emig, sports information director, because he's the one who had, again, it's not the five teams that make up consensus All-American. It's sort of any real All-American team by what Jerry Emig determines is real. So I think he might be the guy to talk to to say, let's add the Heisman finalist provision, which gets, or like, and again, is it finalist? Is it top five? Because like Braxton and JT never got to New York, but I think they both finished top five. Again, it, where, it should be get to New York. See, that to me is like where it's indisputable. It's like you clearly were the you clearly met the All-American standard. And in many years, maybe you would have been the All-American quarterback. Who's to say Mm -hmm. if you make if you're like the top three or four Heisman vote-getters. But again, the the Heisman finalist who gets to New York is sometimes a little arbitrary because sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's five. I guess now they said from now on it's going to be five. but That's not what they did before. So you could say. Top five, you could say top 10, you could say, and again, back in the day, they didn't even take people to New York, right? It's like getting to New York is only kind of like a modern day thing. And if you were going to do this, I think you'd want to go backwards. So I think there would be a way to do it. But I think using the Heisman as a threshold, it's still the it's still Buckeye Grove. It's for all Americans. And then in parentheses and top five, top 10 finalist, whatever, Heisman finishers. Because I don't think anyone's going to say, that guy, what he do? Right, Finish third right. to Heisman. Oh, I'm so impressed. It's like, yeah, no, I am impressed for real. I'm not like, and it's the most prestigious it, award in, in the sport that needs to be right. You should and be able to get a, a, a plant for that. It's really just a quarterback discussion. Yeah. yeah. Because Chase Young was a finalist, but Chase Young was an All American. He's in. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I don't know. It's hard because, again, it's not. But maybe that's part of it. Like Zeke's not in. 
I don't know where, I don't think Zeke ever finished in the top five. I'm not sure what it would have. If you did top 10 Heisman voting, I think Ezekiel Elliott did that, but I, it, it's not, it's not, it's not the hundred greatest players in Ohio state history. It's a person who was voted to have an all American season at their position. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. I, I walk, I think, you guys walk in it. Sometimes I walk yeah. in it, right. I like to walk in it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I look and I, I can feel sort of the people who are missing. Right. I, I can I, feel it. Yeah. I, I think you would top five is where I think I would cut it off just because that, I think it's almost first team or Heisman, second team or Heisman and there's got to be some type of you know exclusivity to it and I think that's what the thing was with being a first team all-american it's not just you were an all-american you were first team and so I think going top five is what gives it that it's kind of like the cutoff yeah and it's also like this isn't the only recognition there is through the athletic department for great players you have there's a Ohio State athletic hall of fame and things like yeah, that. So there, there is other ways to recognize. So I, maybe that's what they would counter the argument with be like, this is just for this one special thing. I just think, especially for the quarterback argument, I could understand expanding a little bit, right? We're going to start with the quarterback. I'll just let me say, the last thing is, and it's not really, it's not like, I don't think a persuasive thing of like, Hey, if you come here, you can do this. It's, it's a, it's a really recognition thing. You can bring your kids mm-hmm. and say, look, they planted a tree for me. They planted a, a living thing because of my greatness. And after I'm gone, hopefully this tree is going to be here, right? That, that it's, it's a thing that you earned with your blood and your sweat and your tears and your talent. And to not have JT Barrett, who did finish fifth in 2014, by the way, to not have Braxton Miller, who did finish fifth in the Heisman voting in 2012, by the way, to not have Justin Fields, who was a finalist, to not have Dwayne Haskins, who was a finalist, I would like them to have that, to be able to come back and point to that the way that a lot of these other guys can. And again, they'll be in the varsity hall of fame. As you guys said, there are other ways to do it by the way. And I'm not, we just have a conversation with Jerry. You know, it's a great opening to do this honoring Dwayne. Yeah. Let's honor Dwayne. And then let's create this new thing. It's this new, it's like the Dwayne Haskins wing for guys who were, top five Heisman finishers who were not an All-American. And we'll put them maybe down this row because we're going to do them all new. And look, Justin, Dwayne, Braxton, JT, anybody else who fits that, man, oh man, what a great, what a great section that would be. And Archie and everybody else, like they don't, Troy, they don't need to be in that section because they're in the All-American section. Mm -hmm. But but Dwayne Haskins, for what he did for the mark he left and for leaving us way too soon, I think I would like to see a living thing planted for Dwayne Haskins among the Ohio State greats. And then let's let's bring in everybody else. All right, Jerry, we'll talk to you. I know, Jerry, you might be listening. We'll talk. We'll talk well, to you this week. We know Mike Basford is listening. Basford. So Mike can text him. I'm sure. Put on your list. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. I think this would be a quarterback exercise. We'd have to go back and research it. But I. I imagine that we'd be and it mostly modern and it would be a, a quarterback exercise of, of who would get in under this criteria. We're going to come back and start with quarterback in a second, but I just wanted to quickly run down how we did on this last year. All of us correctly predicted Thayer Munford being an all American. Nice. All of us correctly predicted Chris Olave being an all American. Nice. Only Doug correctly predicted Garrett Wilson to be an all American. And then I, forced people to put him on all American teams so I could be right. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 he earned uh, it. He earned it. 
Doug and Steven were incorrect about Zach Harrison being an All-American. I was incorrect about Haskell Garrett being a first-team All-American. The actual All-Americans last year, Olave Wilson and Munford, who we just said, also Nicholas Petit-Frere and Noah Ruggles. Those were the five who got a tree in Buckeye Grove last season. It's always fun when it's like guys who we definitely, definitely talked about on this thing last year and probably spent lots of minutes on, and then you just toss a little Noah Ruggles on the end. It was an All-American mullet customized uh, Columbus Crew personalized jersey combo tonight at nice. Movement Day. And I don't know if we noted this at the time, but I have a little stat about five All-Americans last year for Ohio State that I would like to share at some point. Should you share it up front or to help like frame we, this conversation? taking a break? I want to I bring people back from the break. Did we already do a break? We did a break. Oh, and I, I don't want to wait now. Do you know the last time Ohio, so they had five All-Americans last year. Do you know what last time they had that many All-Americans? At least five first-team All-Americans in a season, according was, to the Ohio State Media Guide? I know it was not 2019. There were a lot of years with four. Yeah. Last time they had as many as five was 1974 when they wow. had seven. Wow. So I don't know if we noted that in the moment, because, again, I'm just going by their media guide. Counting up with my fingers. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Yeah, I there's a lot right. of fours. There's a lot of fours. Yeah. That, that five, that was, I mean, that's not nothing, man. That's almost that's as old for, as me. That's a lot for a team who went 10 and 2. I'm just going to be honest. Well, it is, but it was also an interesting, it's like Olave and Wilson were, I don't know if any of them, either of them made the same All-American team. So you had two guys yeah. who were going to make one or the other. You had in... Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit Frere guys who might make one or the other. They only have to make one. And then you had this Noah Ruggles thing that snuck on and made the ESPN list because he missed one field goal all year. And it's not really about a 10 and two team. It's four guys from the number one offense in the country. Yeah. That's actually the, the better. Cause yeah. yeah, it's not like there's any defensive player. Yeah. Okay. So as I said, let's start on quarterback. Cause I think that is an interesting discussion. We all know, C.J. Stroud is really good. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist last year, and he is showing up. He's the Heisman Trophy favorite right now by the last betting odds that I saw and is showing up on a lot of way too early 2023 NFL draft lists as maybe the number one overall pick. So let's mark it down. Is C.J. Stroud going to be a first-team All-American? I say yes. I could see some splits i could see maybe three or four guys who deserve to be a first team all-american quarterback on on various teams cj bryce young maybe caleb williams at usc right that, that i just don't know um i don't know that Bryce will be in the same spot as he was a year ago and again i just think it's people's inclinations a little bit of if it's close between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, well, you know, Bryce got all the nods last year, right? So I, I think CJ will make it somewhere. I think he'll get a tree. I think what makes it tricky is I should have gone back and looked. When was the last time the Heisman Trophy winner wasn't like the unanimous All-American quarterback? Has that happened recently? Has anybody broken that? See, because I think I understand what you're saying, Doug, and I agree with it. At the same time, Maybe if Lamar. someone emerges as the true, as the clear Heisman Trophy frontrunner winner, and it's a quarterback, which it almost always is these days, then does that guy just sweep it? 
So that could say, be Stroud. That could be Stroud. That could be Stroud. Too. Right. I'll I'll say I'm looking at the I was like the Wikipedia entry of like the All American team from last year. They had Bryce on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams, and Kenny Pickett on two. So Kenny Pickett is that guy who, according to the American Football Coaches Association, was the first team All American quarterback over the guy who won the Heisman. So could CJ even in an extraordinary year for some other quarterback who's the Heisman winner? Could CJ get it from somebody, right? I think that's, I think that's, that's why I'm voting yes because I don't think he has to be the slam dunk Heisman winner to, to get this treat. I'm saying yes, and part of it is, I mean, we're going to do a market down Monday for Heisman coming up. I assume I'm not sure who I'm picking yet, and I think it's because there is a chance that a quarterback doesn't win the Heisman Trophy this year, and it's because Will Anderson is back and the campaign has already started for a dude who had 17 and a half sacks. So that's the door opening right there. Is if a, if somebody other than a quarterback wins the Heisman Trophy, so then you're there is a bit more of a mix and match for first team All Americans throughout these lists. I'm also marking down Stroud as making an, an all-American team. I I don't know that I think it'll be a runaway somebody winning them all. I think it, I think I agree with what Doug is saying that this could be a more splintered year. At least it seems like it right now. Uh, but I also don't discount that it could definitely happen where Stroud is the guy who who runs away and hides if he has the kind of year. I mean, if he if he basically takes any kind of improvement over what he did last year. Which you almost would because he had a kind of that you know the one game in there was kind of a dud and some other games are affected by his shoulder. Um, if he can be healthy and great for a full year and Ohio State on top of that, I mean the offense is still good, but he will get some credit also for pulling the whole team back up into playoff contention too, even if it's somewhat caused also by the defense being good. I think that part of the narrative will be pushing him up towards favorite status if that happens. 2019, Joe Burrow was everybody's first team All-American. That's the kind of dominance yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020, Mac Jones was the primary guy. Trevor Lawrence also was it, including on the FWAA team, where I like pushed for Trevor Lawrence. And Kyle Trask made one team that year. He was also a Heisman finalist that year. And 2018, Kyler Murray and Tua Tonga-Vailoa basically split. They finished first and second in the Heisman. And they basically split the All-American teams at quarterback. So to your point, Nathan, if someone has a Burrow year and it's not CJ, then it's like, I don't know, like tough, tough, tough luck, CJ. But probably the person most likely to have the Burrow year where he's the, the Heisman winner and the first team All-American quarterback on every team probably is CJ. And then beyond that, your point of how often is it's kind of mixed up a little bit. You know, there are guys who kind of squeeze in on one or two teams more often than not, even at quarterback. So let's talk about C.J. Stroud's number one target. We'll talk about the whole receiver core here. If anybody wants to go beyond Jackson Smith and Jigbo as far as marking down a receiver, but let's have that conversation first. Um, I mean, to me, I mean, I'm marking down Jackson Smith and Jigbo. He seems like the other no-brainer in this offense. And the one thing that's obviously going to help him is – and it's an accumulation. Um, the accumulation of statistics obviously helps you. And on top of all that, uh, he is in a position even more so, even more than Olave and Wilson were a year ago. I would say, I, I wrote this about the the Blitnikoff that he's coming in in a better position because he doesn't have somebody else on his own team potentially taking away votes and and catches. Yeah. I suppose. So I, I think Jackson Mithigjigba is maybe my number one 
lock to be an All-American at the end of this year on this roster? I'm saying yes, even if he doesn't do what we think he's going to do. Let's just say Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka are really like that. And once again, the guy who we all thought was the best guy in the building building ends up being the third best guy in the building. That's what happened to Chris Olave, and he still made some first team All Americans list. So there's enough, yeah, there's enough cachet to his name already that he can just be normal, and someone's gonna put him first team All American, just like they did Chris Olave last year. I'm not, I'm not saying this about Olave, but I think. I would be surprised if Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't deserve to be a first team All-American. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, even if he yeah. doesn't, even if he doesn't deserve to be a first team All-American, he has a pretty good chance to be one somewhere. Yeah. Because he's famous and had a huge year last year. And as long as he's not abducted by aliens, he's going to put up at least pretty good numbers in this offense. Even if you, even if you really drill down on it and then the end of the year, and you're like, you know what? I actually think he was the fourth best receiver in the country. Or even if you drill down on it and say, you know what? This guy at North Texas and this East Carolina guy, I actually think he was the seventh best receiver in the country. If he has 1,200 receiving yards for Ohio State and they're pretty good, I think he'll still make it somewhere. And if he has 1,200 receiving yards and is the seventh best receiver in the country, people are going to be like, wow, that's shocking. So I think he will earn it and make it even if somehow he doesn't earn it. Last year, five different receivers made a first-team All-American team. I'm trying to think. I think that our AP voting last year might've gone to three receivers. So oh. that's another thing to keep in mind. I, I, I think there are some teams that are expanding yeah. their receivers. And to be fair, Chris Olave had 13 touchdown catches last year. So the yards and receptions weren't there, but he was scoring. So it, it, he still kind of earned it. Jordan Addison, David Bell, Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, the five guys who would have earned a tree. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And all those guys, you can make an argument as to why any of those guys was deserving to make a team. So mm-hmm. good, I guess, that they got sort of sprinkled around. Anybody else going to mark down anybody else from this receiving core? You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., there's some name recognition for you. People know that guy is a receiver. I'm going to say I'll mark that one down just because I think now people are because it's only one coming back. I do think people are kind of on alert for who the second Ohio state wide receiver is. And so Marvin might have a little bit more buzz to his name coming into year two than what Jackson had, which helps. Yeah. I'm not doing that. That's, I mean, that would be a heck of a thing. It would be a heck of a thing. Um, He's talented. He's talented. And the problem is, but, but here's the thing. Jackson last year was Jackson. He didn't make an all American team. He didn't yeah. make a first team All American team. No, because it was yeah, that's what I said. Because it was two of them that we were all already focused on. So it he was already having an uphill battle there with that one. Yeah, it's only but Jackson. I, this but year. I think it's also it is also an uphill battle because there are people who vote on this and they go back and look and say, well, who was on the preseason All American teams? Who was yeah. on last year's All American team that came back? And were they any good this year? It's like some of the voting in this is not all that sophisticated, and it it There's sometimes really hurts you. It really hurts you if you're if you're out of sight, out of mind. And he would have to I, I'm not saying he can't be an all-American. I'm just saying he would have to have a monster season. He has to have a better season than Jackson Smith and Jigba does to be an all-American. He has to have a be, say that again. He has to have a better season to be an all-American. Marvin Harrison Jr. has to have a better season than Jackson Smith and Jigba does to be an all-American. 
because Jacksonville oh, was coming in right. with the recognition already, the name, the expectation that he will just be an All-American. He doesn't have to have a better season than Jackson Smith and Jigba, but he yeah. has to have a better season than, right, sort of like relative to breaking through a lack of expectations. He doesn't have to be, I don't think he has to be Ohio State's number one receiver no. to do it, though. Like, if, what if Jackson Smith and Jigba has 1,900 receiving yards and Marvin Harrison has 1,200 and 14 touchdowns? Like that's that to me is the, is, the, yeah. is the argument that Steven's making here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just, I guess the way I'm saying it is he could have a season worthy of all American recognition, but have a harder time actually making the team because again, of the things that we just said, the same yeah. as Jackson's been did last year. Yeah. That, which is why I was saying the fact that he's coming in with a little bit more buzz already than Jackson had that's just that's because he had the Rose bowl and Jackson's only big time moment last year was, the first game of the season when we're already writing. So that helps. There is already name recognition because he's the son of a hall of fame yep. wide receiver. And I do to your, and to your point of sometimes people can just look at a preseason list and then copy and paste outside of Jamison Williams, everybody else was already kind of known coming into the season. That's not really the case outside of Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith, the Jigba this year. There aren't it's not four or five deep with guys we know are already dudes coming into the season. Jordan Addison wasn't that famous coming into last no, year. I'm talking about th- that's what I'm saying. No, this year. I'm saying he and Jackson are really like kind of running away with the who's the best wide receiver in the country conversation from day one. And there's not really three or four other guys on that list. But you're saying last year most of the guys were already famous? There was a yeah. There was already a Garrett, a David Bell, a, a Chris Olave. I'm saying last year Jordan Ad- Jordan Addison won the Bletnikoff, and I don't think a ton of people knew about him before last season, right? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so yeah, he's famous now. Yeah, but he wasn't as famous a year ago. But the, the, but other the point three of were, though, it's not impossible for Ohio State to have two first team All American receivers. If the, in a world where Jackson Smith and Jigba is not abducted by aliens and Marvin Harrison Jr. is a first team All-American and gets a tree and Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. So Marvin mm-hmm. to me is sec is the second. And that is, that is hard to do to have two guys from one team, but it's not impossible. If you're going to have the number one passing offense in the country, potentially the Heisman winner at quarterback. And that second guy has a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns, and is really important. So um, it's a it's a fine needle to thread, but the idea that he would be the second guy, not the third guy, like Jackson was last year, I also do think, Stephen, that that obviously makes it. Jackson had no chance last year. Like Pete, like he had, like I don't know what Literally. he could have done more. And the other thing is, people like Jackson's total, like his numbers, sixteen hundred yards, he had three thirty in the in the Rose yeah. Bowl like after the voting, right? Like that doesn't, so it's, he didn't have that. Yeah. Because even in the Nebraska game, you chuck that up to, oh, Garrett's not playing because literally the very next week, Garrett came back, had four touchdowns. If they did all American voting after the bowl games, he might've been a first team all American. Maybe he might've got on on somebody's team. Yeah, Yeah. He might have. I am also not marking down Marvin Harrison Jr. Just for the record. So everybody picking Stroud, everybody picking Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Stephen also picking Marvin Harrison Jr. Trevion Henderson. On one hand, you would say, you know, uh, it's, you know, productive freshman year and going to be also featured again in this really strong offense. And we're talking about writing stories about how good he looks and how much they're excited about him. 
Eddie George won the Heisman Trophy in 1995. How many first-team All-American running backs for Ohio State since then? Uh, did JK get it? Yeah, maybe just one because maybe J.K. Dobbins in 2019. J.K. Dobbins in 2019. This I'm going by. Eleven Warriors has a nice year by year breakdown of this. I'm using theirs. Um, so thanks to those guys. And Curtis Samuel in 2016. And okay. as far as I can tell, man, that is it in the last 27 years of Ohio State football. Um, that tells you how tough it is, even though they're picking two to be on the team every year, it's a tough list to make. And uh, I was, I wrote an article and we talked last week on the pod um, about the concept of is Trevin Henderson getting a little bit forgotten as far as like a guy who could contend for a Heisman if he does this and does that. But I also did not put him on my list here just because I was thinking about it. And then when I looked at that, I kind of thought, is he going to have like a JK Dobbins here? Is he going to have like an 1800, 2000 yard year? with that kind of touchdowns um, in, in this offense. I, I I don't know if statistically he gets there and there's going to be other guys who maybe aren't as good as Trevin Henderson, but have a more bloated statistical profile. And uh, I, I think it'll probably just edge him out. Trevion Henderson is probably one of the three best running backs in the country with Bijan and Braylon Allen, but those two are the engines of their team and Trevion's not. So I'll mark down yes on Trevion. Three running backs made first team last year, three in 2020, four in 2019, three in 2018, three in 2017. So it's not like there's a gazillion dudes, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like the same guys. And I think that's the important point. He's going up against guys who are the focal point. And I think both Braylon Allen and, and B. John Robinson, probably Deuce Vaughn at Kansas state are all, are all yeah. that. And, and he is not, but if he has four, 1500 rushing yards and 350 receiving yards and 21 total touchdowns. And this offense just steamrolls everybody. Like, could he make a team? That's, that's more my scenario. So I think he, I think he gets in somewhere as it's just clearly the best offense in the country. And that carries him on to a team or two. But, you know, there's people out there that really like, Blake Corum, there's people out there who really – I know, uh, Doug, you're a fan of Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else is out there. I guess uh, – I mean, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. I don't know if we mentioned him yet. Zach Evans from Ole Miss. There's definitely some SEC talent here. Um, the kid from Auburn, uh, Tank Bigsby. Um, like, there's – it just seems like a crowded field this year, too, at running back. But I don't dis- dispute what you're saying, Doug. It's just looking at the history, it, it's so hard – and I wonder if maybe his year is a year away or if it's just going to be hard in, in what the way this offense is situated now for a running back to, to do the statistical profile that, that, that gets it. I think he's helped more than anybody if the defense is good, because if this really is top 15, top 10 defense in the country and Ohio State's just spending the second half running the ball. A lot of the times, that's how he that can helped. rack up his stock. Because that's, yeah, especially that Big Ten championship game. They got up and then it's just said, we're just going to give it to JK the rest of the game and get out of here. That helps. When you have a good defense, that helps your running backs more than the quarterbacks in this situation. And just the context, the thing that we don't have is the context, right? right. 2014 with Zeke, he only came on midway through the year. And the two guys who were the, took almost every spot on first team that year were Melvin Gordon. And Tevin Coleman from Indiana, guys in his own conference. And again, 
can remember the, the press conference very, very clearly in the middle of the year where somebody was asking Urban Meyer about all these great running backs in the Big Ten. It was those guys and it was David Cobb at Minnesota and it was uh, the Langford, Jeremy Langford at Michigan State and all these guys. And Urban Meyer was like, well, I like our guy, too. And when he said it at the time, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, come on, Urban. But like and then Ezekiel Elliott became Ezekiel Elliott. But he just wasn't going to make All-American in 2014 over Tevin Coleman and Mark Melvin Gordon, who both ran for like 2,000 yards in the Big Ten. And then in 2015, when Zeke was Zeke, here are the other running backs in the country that year who took all the first-team All-American spots. Derrick Henry, who won the Heisman. Christian McCaffrey, who almost won the Heisman. And Leonard Fournette, who was a monster at LSU. And then Ohio State kind of underachieved they had a weird offense nothing they had too many guys to get the ball to they screwed everything up and Zeke made second team so it's like how did but that is those are two weird cracks for Ezekiel Elliott to fall through and so I don't think I could very much see that Trayvon Henderson doesn't fall through either of those cracks because the first one is he'll be ready to go at the start of the year and start impressing people so that first crack's not a deal and then the second one is are you going to have Henry and McCaffrey and Fournette, like three guys who just wipe the table and like you can't, no matter how good you are, you can't get past them in the consciousness. I guess, of course, maybe, but like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey were two of the best running backs the last 20 years, right? And they were in the same year when Zeke was trying to do his thing. So I I feel pretty good about Travion finding his way onto it to one, one way or another. So I'm marking yes. Are you guys both marking what? Marking no? We both marked no. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll mark yes. So that brings us to the offensive line, where last year Ohio State had two first-team All-Americans. I'll let you guys start it off. Who is marking down an Ohio State offensive lineman, if you, if any? I had three for the best offensive line in the country. We've got two guys returning starters at the spot they were last year, and the other one is a five-star with all the hype in the world. So I had uh, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones and Luke Whippler all getting at least one All-American team. I don't have any. Hmm. And it's not because I don't think they might not deserve it. But there are uh, this, you know, Peter Skaronsky at Northwestern kind of comes in with the reputation as the best tackle in the country. He's number one on everybody's list. Right now, coming in, I'm not saying he is or will be better, but we're trying to figure out who's going to make it. Like, there's an Oklahoma guy, there's a Notre Dame guy, there's a Georgia guy. And I do think that at some point, people don't want to put six guys from the same team on their first team All American ballot. And the skill guys are going to be really good. And Dewan Jones is still sort of like this you know, guy that people maybe can't wrap their heads around if you're not around Ohio State every day and Paris didn't play tackle. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And Paris (laughs) didn't play tackle last year. And so I could could see people being outraged that they're not first-team All-Americans. But this is one of those where I think they might just get into a spot where people kind of want to reward more different guys. I mean, again, I'm just being real, like that kind of stuff comes up. It's like, Hey, we have three Ohio state guys on the first team already. Notre Dame was, was really good this year and they don't have anybody. Georgia was really good this year. They're a playoff team. We, we don't have anybody yet, but their tackles. Awesome. You know, Oklahoma had a great year, right? 
So I do think some of that stuff can almost work against you. So I am not doubting the ability of the three guys that you mentioned, Stephen, to have great years. I can just see them being aced out as you get into the voting. So I really agree with a lot of what you're saying, uh, but I'm still going to vote for someone. <laughs> and here's why. I'm, I'm Again, looking back over that history, I think weirdly 2014 was the last year Ohio State did not have at least one first-team All-American. 2015, Taylor Decker. On the offensive line. You're on the offensive line. Yes, sorry, offensive line. 2015, Taylor Decker. 2016, Billy Price and Pat Elfline. 2017, Billy Price again. 2018, their only All-American was Michael Jordan. 2019 and 2020, Wyatt Davis, and then the two guys last year. It's just been, for whatever reason, reliably a place where Ohio State gets All-American recognition. And so then, to me, it became a choice between Paris and DeWand. And as much as DeWand has a little bit more recognition in a weird way coming into this year because he had a breakthrough last year and just his size and the things that come with that. If you're asking me who I think would play at like a um, can't-ignore-it level, I think it's Paris Johnson. And Doug, you also make a good point, too, that with Skaronsky, one of these two guys ain't going to be first-team All-American, or first-team All-Big Ten, even, probably, between Paris Johnson and yeah. and Dewan Jones. And if I had to pick right now, um, I would, again, lean Paris Johnson, because I think he would be the kind of guy, just from an All-Big Ten standing, who would, like, I don't know what the media would do, but, like, the coaches, he could have the kind of year where the coaches are like, you got to be kidding me, like, there was no better football player on the offensive line in the Big Ten this year than Paris Johnson. Mm-hmm. He could have that kind of year. So I'm going to vote Paris Johnson making one team at least. But I, I it's it's a bit of a – it is a bit of a, a reach just because of what you were saying, Doug, that I, I think you're right, that if Skaronsky has the kind of year he has – I mean, this is the other thing you see in the Big Ten. It happened with Wyatt Davis, frankly, on the All-American list, where he was kind of already out there as being – a returning All-American and so good, and he's going to take a spot. And like Tyler Linderbaum, there's like, he had a really good year. I'm not saying he didn't have a good year, but it's almost like there's no way he wasn't going to be a first-team All-American last year on like every list or almost all the lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Skaronsky might be kind of in that position this year. And uh, I, if that's true, then it really boxes out everybody else then you're picking the you're picking both of these guys against the field of offensive tackles and i couldn't get both guys but i'm gonna say paris johnson yeah and it's not so there it's, it's not the same as garrett and chris where they just split it and one gets one and the other gets the other one but the best offenses in the country the past three years lsu in 2019 they only had one offensive lineman and that was damian lewis which is pretty interesting. and they won they won, they won the the uh, offensive line trophy yeah, um, and then 2020, Alabama, who also won the offensive line trophy. They had two. They had Landon Dickerson as the center, and then Alex Leatherwood as their tackle. And then, obviously, Ohio State didn't win the award last year, but they had the best offense in the country, and they had two. So, all marked down. They have it the same way Alabama had it, where their center and their, one of their tackles. And I'll say Paris for the same reason, Nathan. Well, you said down. three. You already marked down three. I was just naming the names of people oh. who were. Yeah, I'm actually okay, going to mark. Yeah, I was just. Uh, I was just having a, a I was having a conversation. I was having a conversation. Okay. So you're not marking Whipler down. No, I'm marking Whipler and Paris Johnson. 
Okay. Yeah. We're not editing this in real time. People can listen and make their own judgments. I believe there was a three-person markdown on this offensive line. I was just throwing out the names that for weeks so we could have the discussion. I'm going to. Why did you say I have three instead of I have five and name all of them? Diamond Jackson's not going to get that this year, and Matthew Jones is probably not in that conversation. Donovan might probably come into the 2023 season in the same situation Wyatt Davis was in in 2020. In the last third, the last seven years, there have been. 13 Ohio State first team all American selections on offense and nine of them have been offensive linemen and four of them have been skill guys. And so I think part of it is sometimes some of their skill guys were getting aced out and they were like, man, this offense is really good. Let's make sure we represent somebody and they they go to the offensive lineman. Not that they didn't deserve it, right? But I'm almost I'm almost like reversing the trend of if mm. I'm going to pick three skill guys to get it then I think maybe they get now last year. They got both last year. They got two receivers and two tackles, but I am also not so sure that like given the way the Michigan game went, that everybody like feels great about NPF as a first team. Like, and I'm not so sure that won't be like, well, you know, last year we gave them two and then look what happened. They got destroyed by it. You know, Sometimes that stuff lingers a little bit. So um, but I think the other thing politics. could also the other thing could also work. It could also be like, hey, remember last year where that was actually kind of an Achilles heel that people didn't realize? Well, Paris Johnson really stepped up and fixed that. Nope, that's absolutely true. Again, it's is not um it's hard, right? It's hard to do. I make fun of voters all the time, but I at least prefer the thing when you have an all-American. I don't know how every group does it. I don't you the AP team, Nathan, you just write down your own team and send it in, right? We just, yeah, you just make a list of however many guys they ask for and I actually need to do my preseason vote tomorrow. Yeah, I don't like that as much. I, that's why I like the playoff committee because I would rather have people talk. Yeah, conversation. And, and people to allow for their own blind spots and their own, you know, lack of information. And you can help people understand something you're an expert on and someone else can do the same for you. It's, and so what, when AP you talk is, it out. Yeah, the AP one is 60 some people. Like that's just going to be a Zoom that, the zoom from hell so that i think matters too because i do think again what we're talking about well let's make sure we don't give you know too many to this team and let's recognize this team that only happens if you have people talking and if you just have people voting then you just have people voting so um yeah i it's it's not that i think they won't deserve uh, won't deserve it and and obviously very very good chance that i'm wrong here i just i just think maybe the skill guys take all the juice those conversations are great like when i used to cover preps in Indiana, we had every year a, um, a an all American t- or oh, sorry all area team, which is a very common thing for for you know high school coverage throughout the country. And we would have uh, we'd go down to this restaurant that the coaches loved, and they had these amazing chicken wings, probably the best chicken wings I've had in my life. And uh, we just talk it out like everybody would get to vote and the, play, the coaches would come in and obviously they're putting their own guys up. But you'd come in and you'd say, listen, we weren't that good this year. We, you know, we were four and five or whatever. But like this is the one kid I've got that like has to get on this team somewhere. And like you could make those sort of arguments. And I think that if, if, if all American teams could work more like mm-hmm. that, it would be better. But that isn't how they again, there, there's also then the large consensus style. For your vote, the one you're talking about, Doug, it would be a smaller body. And in here, once you get like 60-some people putting in opinions, then maybe there's enough uh, variety there that you come to a pretty good consensus. I think that's maybe the, the thought there. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think, and, I, think us, 
a smaller discussion or a large vote probably covers your bases either way. Anybody else on offense that anybody's going to go out on a limb for? Your Kate Stovers, your Mitch Rossies. I'm good. I'll mark it down that Ohio State never has a first-team All-American tight end. Never. I'll mark never. down Jelani Thurman in 2020. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, more to the point, there will be a day where, like, Ryan Day is not the head coach anymore. Maybe they come in with someone who just is – Tight end heavy, man. You know, Mike Ditka, the fourth or whatever, is the head coach in I've been alive 120 for, years from now. I've been alive for four Ohio State football head coaches, and none of them have used the tight end. So I think that I think that's just as much as a, of a tradition as the Buckeye lease on the helmets. They can have that growth, too. The tight ends who weren't thrown to enough growth. <laughs> Jeremy Rucker can have a... It's just a hole in the ground. Giant. A giant oak. It's like, oh, what's this for? It's like, hey, this guy had 18 catches his last year. Should have 50, but he had 18. So anyway, I think that no, but you're right, Stephen. Isn't yeah. The best texter question of the offseason, I think I've decided was, hey, they had 12 tight end catches in the spring game. How many will they have? How many games will it take them to have 12 <laughs> tight end catches this year? That is, I, I think about that text like once a day. It was that was mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> we are that wraps up our offensive picks. I said. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Paris Johnson. Doug said Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Trayvon Henderson. Steven said everybody, and then retracted one of his votes. Uh, Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Paris Johnson, and Luke Whipler. We're going to come back from the break, and we'll mark down defensive All-Americans for House State, if we think there are any, next on Buckeye Talk. So, been tougher for House State to get defensive All-Americans on the defensive side of the ball. Um because their defense hasn't been very good the last couple of years. No defensive All-Americans last year. Uh, 2020, Sean Wade was actually a consensus All-American. That very weird year that year, and uh, probably helped out by the fact that he made a lot of preseason lists that year. I'm not trying to disparage the guy. Um, and guy it was COVID. Like, and the COVID and year. COVID, yeah. and there was a lot of things, man. There was That was just a weird year. Um, I, I, I appreciate the career he had at Ohio State. I just... That's a contributing factor there. And then obviously in 2019, you had both Young and Okuda. But uh, nobody in 2018, 2017, Denzel Ward and Nick Bosa both made it. Um, so, there, you know, historically, yes. But it's obviously not been trending in the right direction these last couple of years. So the question is, does somebody break that? We will start on the defensive line. And well, let's just start. I'll just say I'm marking down JT to Imaloal. We'll start the conversation there. Um, this is the only defensive guy that I'm marking down, actually. And I thought about marking nobody down, but it was sort of along the same concept of the Paris Johnson thing. Like, who's the guy that I think could could break through and make people take notice, make pe- make it so that there's no way you can leave him off of a team and, and have the kind of a year that is um, a little bit of a, a just a game changer for the defense and who would get who would get the credit for doing that? And I think he is the kind of athlete, the kind of person who could maybe do that. I think it's tough to predict it as a sophomore. There have been some other great players have come through here and not gotten to that level as a sophomore. Um, I just kind of gambling on circumstance that again, he would get the credit for helping this defense take a leap. Jim Knowles will also get a lot of credit for that if it happens. 
but uh, that's kind of my wild card on this list. Maybe my biggest wild card is JT Tuimaloao being an All-American this year. Anyone else marking down Mr. Tuimaloao? That is a step I was questioning myself whether I was going to be willing to take because I do think there's a good there's a case to be made that he's going to be the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year and all that stuff. Um, and I went back and forth, but yeah. And I think part of it is Northwesterners on the schedule. And that could be his breakout game against probably the best tackle in the country. And if he goes in there and wrecks him, and he kind of takes off from there. I mean, that's a pretty good case to make if he has 10 sacks and he has two and a half against Northwestern. And when you go back and rewatch the tape, those two and a half came when he was lined up against that left against Trotsky. Notre Dame has some good tackles. Wisconsin yeah. always has a good offensive line. Um, I Michigan usually has a pretty good offensive line. Now I, these days, I, I, I do think it's, it's a lot like the Heisman thing, right? It's not just about how good you are. It's about opportunity. And I, so I think that's a point very well taken about opportunity for JT to show everybody what he's about but I am not marking him down. Joey Bosa was an All-American as a sophomore, but Joey Bosa had t- was tied for second in the Big Ten with seven and a half sacks as a freshman, yep. and I just think had a little more juice. And I, listen, I'm not I'm not trying to get a national gauge on JT, but there was something I saw the other day that somebody was talking about Jack Sawyer. Like I think nationally, people might think Jack Sawyer is the guy, and it's not that Jack yeah. Sawyer is not great. But I feel like everybody on the beat thinks it's going to be JT as the breakout defensive lineman this year. But for some reason, I don't know if if that is what other is that is that's the national view. And plus, a lot of people still really like Zach Harrison, who is a very good football player. And I just think it might be complicated. And if he doesn't absolutely sort of I think Steven set out the path, right? Well, if he's good. If he's good against Skaronsky and, and good against Notre Dame, but he's not an absolute game record. He's a four sacks. I just think it might be hard to break through because I just, I don't know if there's the juice for him nationally that there should be for a five-star guy who played a fairly decent amount. I feel like there's more juice for Tyreek Williams. Honestly, me, like people are like, me, Oh, Tyler. And it's like, like, what about JT, man? We all think he's the best guy in this line. So that's why I'm saying no. Yeah. There's this thing with Jack one. He's a pass rusher by nature, while JT is much more of a run-stopping end at this point in their careers. And, you know, everybody likes to pass rush who might get sacks on third down. But then also, Jack's had this baby Bosa thing on his head since he was 14, that now that he's been in the program for a year, national guys have kind of cling to. So that's probably part of this. While with us, since we are we cover this team, and we actually looked at the snap counts and know who was playing more last year. We're a lot higher. The beat is higher on JT, while the world is higher on the guy who has baby Bosa basically, basically tattooed on his back. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a good point, Doug. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this in terms of 2018, like, the other factor here is you can't have a great year for a bad defense and usually still make all American a lot of times on defense. I mean, you'd have to have a phenomenal year. Uh, like if Chase Young had had his 2019 year in 2018, I know that would have meant the 2018 defense was better, obviously, but like if you have 16 sacks, even if the defense isn't that good, but he only had what 10 that year. And like, it's like a marginally all American, 
like worthy season, but that defense was considered so bad and was considered to be the undoing of that team. There was probably no way for him to be an all American. So I think with Tumaloa, yeah. it's kind of the same. He has to, the, the whole defense has to rise up and he has to be seen as sort of maybe the central catalyst in why that rise happened. In addition to Knowles, who, if it happens, will get a lot of credit because he was brought here to do this job. Plus, Chases was so late. Like, he had uh, the Penn State game was kind of his coming out party. But really, the Northwestern game is where the brunk of that happened and the voting had already been done. But I think you're right. If, like, if JT Tuomalau has two and a half sacks against North or Notre Dame to start the year, then I think then the the ball maybe gets rolling on on him a little bit. So just to for clarify, Stephen, you are marking down JT to him a little while? Yeah, I'll mark that one down. Okay. I am also, and, and Doug is taking a pass. Any other All-Americans on Ohio State's defensive line? No. No. It's interesting. Last year at this time, both Stephen and I picked Zach Harrison, and now people are, are, are jumping right past him. I think also part of that for me, though, is – Last year, the door maybe seemed a little bit more open because JT Tuimaloau and Jack Sawyer were both true freshmen, especially as late as Tuimaloau. Like, how much is he really going to be involved? And this year, it seems very much like they might be coming for all them snaps. Yeah, but it's like Zach's not a sack guy at this point. I just don't look at him as a high sack. He's He's really good against the run. And so that's what I'm expecting to see more of from this year, not the stuff that the highlight stuff that gets you an All-American list. So I'm just double-checking something here so I can say it right. Okay. The guy that – and I understand it's not a great comparison, just to finish up on JT. Um, the guy that I've compared him to, like, sometimes is, like, just a, an excellent football player who can really stop the run and also pressure the quarterback, but is a little bit bigger of a defensive end is Cam Hayward, who was never a first-team All-American. He was a freshman All-American. He was a first-team All-Big Ten. He was a first-round draft pick, and he's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was not a first-team college football American. Now, he only had three-and-a-half sacks his senior year. He had six-and-a-half his junior year. JT might end up with a lot more than that and like make it so that I'm going to stop making that comparison. But Cam Hayward was a heck of a football player all four years he was at Ohio State. He was awesome, and he never made it. And he had a famous dad. So, Good point. Another thing I'm going to sprinkle in here, though, is the influence that the PFF numbers have started to have on voting like this. I've definitely seen it in the all Big Ten poll or the the preseason Big Ten poll that we did, where people like Zach Harrison were getting more recognition and more votes from outside the OSU beat, which is mostly just us now, than I would have expected. And I think it's because they had such a high PFF score. And I think people do look at that. So there is, as, as much as I said before, there's kind of lazy voting. Sometimes there's also people who really rely on those numbers, maybe even almost to a detriment. So I think it does help, you know, someone like Cam Hayward probably had pretty good numbers in some of those things back in the day. And it wasn't quite as ubiquitous back then to look at yeah. those sort of metrics. And I think that can help someone like JT Tumalo or anybody, any other player. Now, since you're bringing that up, since you mentioned our preseason voting, I would just like to bring up our guy, Bradley Smith, who is one of the most loyal Buckeye talk listeners that we've ever had, who apparently also listens to other podcasts, which I don't love, but it's allowed. You're allowed to listen to other podcasts. And apparently 
on the audible with Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel. They credited the dispatch for our preseason poll. And Brad was like, hey, you said it was a dispatch and it was Cleveland.com. He put it on Twitter. And then Stu, who I know, Stu, was like, oh, yes, sorry, it's Cleveland.com. And all I have to say about that is, come on, man. Come on. For real? Come on. I mean, it's come been on. 12 years. It's been 12 years. Come on, Stu. It wasn't like first year. Come on, Stu. Come really on. Respectful, actually. Come on. And I know people that people get mad at me and you can find it in the reviews when I talk about myself too much. Come on. <laughs> okay. Brad, <laughs> love you, brother. People make, people make if you go out and like, if you're out in the world standing up for Buckeye talk, I mean, if we ever had a shirt, you get a free shirt. Like masterful job. So and like, no, no, not even joking. Like, Most, thank you yeah. for pointing that out. And, and then Stu repointed it out. And I'm assuming on their podcast, they'll re-repoint it out. Come on. We, there's been some other people have actually, I, I've seen somebody else tweeted about it. So some other people have come to our defense. Thank you. And, and by the way, we, we've had some people on the text asking about merch. Like I've had in the past month or so, I've had a couple, three different texts, people asking like, hey, why isn't there Buckeye Talk merch? These other people have merch. And I, I try to explain to them like, well, it's hard to use the word Buckeye and those sorts of things. But maybe we'll be able to do something. There's also some litigation out there. Not not by us. There's some other court decisions out there rumbling around that could affect something like this. But um, if we ever have merch, believe you me, you guys will hear about it because you know you've, you've – uh, in fact, I haven't said it yet today. 614-350-3315. Get the texts. I was texting photos straight from move-in day tonight, and so was Doug. I was. I've been debating. I have a draft tweet with that photo. So Lloyd McFarquhar showed up in a Winnie the Pooh onesie. And I just happened to have a Mickey Mouse onesie. And after Nathan just so happened to have (laughs) just around the house, as soon as Lloyd McFarquhar showed up in that, I like I was the only person home and I texted my whole family. I was like, where is my Mickey Mouse onesie? And I had to go find it right away. And I do feel like I kind of want the whole world to see me in a photo in it because it's ridiculous and I'm ridiculous. But I also feel like that's kind of what the people are paying for on the tech. So I think I'm not going to send the tweet because I think you deserve to have that for yourselves for $3.99. What is it? How much is it? $3.99 a month, right? Bargain. Like it's a bargain, but like that's a little bonus for you guys. So if you want to see me in a Mickey Mouse onesie, Subscribe to the text, 614-350-3315. Send us a text and say, I want to see the onesie shot. And now we're basically turning the text into OnlyFans. So that is not great. Um, okay. <laughs> Doug will pose in anything you want him to pose in if you sign up for the text. That is not how that I meant, but I'll also, but also, yes, I would do that. This photo that I saw tonight is not at all what I've been associating in my mind with OnlyFans. Oh, no. wow. Um, no, it is not. <laughs> so but, I, but I'll go there. But I will. Anything no, for the texters. No, anything no, for the no, texters. No. So, uh, Tyleek Williams. Da, da, Ron da, Vincent. Anybody else? First team no, All-American no. off this defensive line. No. no. Does Ohio State. Uh, but, but honestly, I like, I don't. There. I mean, who thought Haskell Garrett, right? It's, I, I don't want to be dismissive of like, no, 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 no. They're going to rotate a bunch of guys at defensive tackle. 
Everybody's fired up about Tyreek Williams, well, Teron Vincent, and and you know some of these other guys. You know, Ty Hamilton and Jerron Cage have been around a long time. Like, it's not impossible. It's Haskell, not impossible. Does Haskell Garrett make a first team All American list in 2020 if it's a normal 15 game season for people? Uh, who knows? I mean, it's, it's everybody. I mean, I, I would also say it, it can almost be easier to make it as a tackle than as an edge rusher because there's a bunch of sacks out there, but they don't tend to come from defensive tackles. And sometimes I think people, again, when you start looking at PFF numbers, people can find reasons to like, oh, this, you know, this guy has a 90. I know he didn't have very many sacks, but he was obviously great and he played a bunch of snaps. You know, I don't know. It, yeah, but it felt like that year everybody just leaned towards the teams they knew they were good in COVID. No, I think I think that's right. So, Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togia were both good that year, but I think it was a, a bit of a weird year, and I think you're yeah. right, Stephen. Um, the other thing I think is just hard for the defensive line is, and again, we had this conversation on the College Football Survivor Show, and Ohio, Ohio State's defense isn't isn't much improved and very good. Nobody's making it. Yep. But – when you look at like Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and you start with them and their defenses in general, but, all, but especially their defensive lines, there are Ohio state guys who could have great years and this could be a very good defense. And there just might not be room mm-hmm. because there are some dudes on those defensive lines that might just eat up everything, yeah. especially. And I don't, I guess Will Anderson, a lot of the time is viewed as an outside linebacker. So maybe that opens up a spot. That. He's like an edge guy, but they don't really do edge guys. They do defensive end and outside mm-hmm. linebacker. But there are some guys at Clemson, Brian Brzee and Miles yeah. Murphy and some guys, Jalen Carter at tackle for Georgia. And they're going to have some other dudes like it just the, the, S, the, the, the SEC and Clemson can like they can fill up those four spots real quick. Yep. Linebackers. Anyone marking down an Ohio State linebacker as an All-American? I think we all think that there might be one on this roster. Yeah. But CJ Hooks is still in his infancy as a college football player and we don't know that yet that there's even a a spot for him at the top of this depth chart let alone being an an all-american yeah i was gonna say i'm gonna mark down cj hicks for 2024 first team all-american but um none this year i don't even they might not even get first team all big 10 this year and i think i'm looking at this right you guys know the last time an ohio state linebacker made first team all-american i do because i was just about to tell you yeah (laughs) 2013 ryan shazier yeah yeah Ryan Shazier is special, 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 special. Like, and he's CJ the only Hicks. one actually. Since so, since two thousand nine, he's the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if CJ Hicks is Ryan Shazier, I mean, shut the barn door. Like that was that. I mean, Ryan Shazier is as special. He's like Ted Ginn. You know, he's like I don't know if I'm going to see a guy like that anymore. Um, so. It's hard, man. It's this again, it gets really difficult. There's a lot of different other kinds of linebackers, guys, you know, who's who just play like their whole team is just a different brand of football, you know, and there's Iowa guys and Wisconsin guys and guys like that who just make a million tackles and that kind of thing. And are they better? I don't know, but it's it's hard. I feel like because of what Ohio State's defensive scheme is, the linebacker, regardless of what they have this year. You have to be special, special. And like, we already know that. So their stats almost don't even matter as much because Ohio State's linebackers aren't going to have 150 tackles like some of these other places do. 
And then like, also, by the way, so then if Will Anderson is a linebacker, then it's like, okay, well, and people think Dallas Turner, the other outside linebacker at Alabama, like might be as good as Will Anderson this year. So then it's either you have, you have sort of those physical teams, like inside linebackers who are catching running backs all day and stacking up 130 tackles. And then you have other like three, four teams or where the outside linebackers are edge rushers. And it's like, how does a normal Ohio state linebacker squeeze into first team all American anymore in that scenario? Very, very difficult. So definitely no. Will Ohio state have a first team all American linebacker before it has a first team all American tight end. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. Jelani Thurman's on the clock for 26. So linebackers, you better get going, baby. Uh, Cornerback. Obviously, Denzel Burke would be the most obvious choice here if someone were to break through. A guy who was a freshman All-American last year. Anyone marking down Denzel Burke as a 2022 All-American first team? I think, I think if Burke had the schedule he had last year, as far as names on it, I'd confidently mark him down here. But no, they don't. There aren't. Their schedule's not littered with wide receivers the same yet way it was a year ago. So no. There's only like two spots. Like, I mean, it's one of those things. Ohio State is a very, very good football team, but I'll be curious to see, Nathan, what the final total is for everybody here. You can't pick nine of first team, like not first team Americans for Ohio State, right? So like, it's it's just, is this going to be like a a great defense? I don't know. And like Keely Ringo's back at Georgia and he made the, like the pick to seal the national championship game last year. And Eli Ricks is a five-star who got a heck of a lot of attention for going to Alabama. And Clark then all Phillips. of a sudden, like it gets really tough. Riley Moss is back at Iowa and Clark Phillips at Utah. And Denzel Burke probably belongs in that conversation. I, I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to put that in that him in that conversation, but man, there is not a lot of room. There's not a lot of room. So I am not marking down any corners for Ohio state. Yeah, I'm, I'm also not marking down any corners, but I, I, I think I like their chance to maybe sneak one in in 2023, whether that's, you know, a third year for Denzel Burke and his building reputation. Um, you know, if he's a down ballot All-American and a first team All-Big Ten or, or high All-Big Ten kind of mentioned this year, starts to build some buzz. And then who knows? Uh, we don't, obviously, the, there's still a lot of um adoration for Jordan Hancock in those halls right now and what he could be this year and again I don't think 2022 is in the picture for him but 2023 like is he a guy that has that kind of a breakthrough I I I wouldn't mark down right now that 2023 they'll have a cornerback but I think their chances are, are much better a year from now than they will be this year uh safety safety driven defense for Jim Knowles here so they're going to be starting three of them Anybody marking down a safety? Once again, I'm going to go into 2024 and mark down Sonny Styles ahead of the curve here, but this year, no. No. So that is combined. Steven and I both picked JT2 and Maloal to make an All-American team. Doug picked no defensive players. I think to say the Ohio State needs an All-American on defense to have a turnaround is incorrect, but they certainly, I think need something approaching all American play, which is different. I think there needs to be, this defense needs some, some star power. And I think it needs it most at the most impactful positions. 
And I, but I do think, and this is a conversation we had before the guys we think have the most star power are second year players. Yep. So as we've been saying, let's get back to us in 2023 and have a conversation about whether Denzel Burke, JT, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Jordan Hancock, will they be all Americans in 2023? Where I, I just personally am not picking any of them to do it as sophomores in 2022 when they are coming off a year where their team's defense was generally viewed as not good enough. Now, of course, yes, that creates opportunity. Your defense makes a jump. You get credit for it. Maybe you become an All-American, but I actually think it might be more like your defense makes a jump. You get credit for it. Your first team All-Big Ten, your second or third team All-American, and then going into 2023, we're going to be sitting here saying, I think they got five first team All-Americans on this defense. I'm just not there in this scenario this season. Yeah, I'd put it more like that. It's like they might have three or four guys who play at an All-American level this year from that list Doug just named, but they're just not better than the guys we already know about around the country. So you don't necessarily get the right. Like JT Toya Maloa might have 10 and a half sacks this year, but Will Anderson and Brian Brzees and Miles Murphy and on down the list, those guys have eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 sacks. So what JT did just has to wait another year before he gets recognized the same way. And the same thing with Denzel Burke because of Keely Ringo and Clark Phillips and on, and you know, on down the list there. So it's, you can be at an all-American level, but there might be some generational guys around the country who lock up those spots. And I do think, generally speaking, Ohio State's defense at its best is the best in the country. Excuse me. Ohio State's offense at its best is the best in the country, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen that. We have proof of that. Even the best version of Ohio State's defense with the way yeah. Georgia and Alabama yeah. and Clemson are playing defense is not going to be the best defense in the country. I don't know that, and it's again, it's kind of flipped, right? I mean, in the last, compared to the Trestle years, that's reversed. So what does it mean? It's like, okay, well, we, we can have a bunch of guys on the offense, but boy, oh boy, doesn't mean you can't play championship level defense. But when you're talking about the 11 best guys who are going to make an individual defensive first team All-American team, and of course, there'll be more than 11 because there'll be some splitting, but man, they could be a really good defense and not have one of the 20 best defensive players in the country, right? That's not an insult or at least not be viewed as having one of the 20 best defensive players in the country. Cause there are some teams doing some stuff on defense right now that is absolutely bonkers. And, but Ohio state does the same on offense. So if this yeah. offense has no first team, all Americans, we would be flabbergasted. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think if you, if you thought this defense was going to catapult all the way into the top 10, you would have to mark. I think you'd have to mark someone down because you'd have to have almost that much of an impact somewhere. But I think if you're thinking more along the lines that I am, that like this could be more of a 2014 situation where they're like a top 25 ish defense rising towards something even more special the next year. And I know that didn't exactly work out on paper, although the offense was a bigger problem in 2015, but you know what I'm saying that, that this year it's, it's, it's the incremental step to next year being a really potentially special defense than than what Doug is saying is true. It's like, it's guys kind of building their resume and going into that 2023 season with the reputations that they earned in 2022 just doesn't necessarily earn them a tree. Anybody that I, the the two, the two guys real quick on defense that I think would qualify as sort of like 
kind of like out of nowhere, first team defensive All-Americans in recent history would be Haskell Garrett in 2020. And we talked about that was kind of a weird year. And Malik Hooker in 2016. Everybody else, I think, build up to it a little bit more. Denzel Ward build up to it. Nick Bosa build up to it. Jeff Okuda and Chase Young build up to it. I think more than these guys on this team have built up to it because the best candidates are only second year guys. So that's the level of like, because we love to have that who makes the Marshawn Lattimore leap, right? Kind of two lost years and then a great year. He wasn't a first team All-American. He was a first team All-Big Ten. And then he was the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. But Marshawn Lattimore was not a first-team All-American in 2016. So even that wasn't good enough. Malik Hooker made that jump and made first-team All-American, and people were saying he's the best college safety since Ed Reed. So, like, that's <laughs> that's what you have to do. Malik Hooker was doing things every week that people were like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. He covered 30 yards while the ball was in the air and made a leaping pick where he did a somersault. So it's just – the setup is really important and it's, it's really difficult. And Jesse Mirko, All-American. Well, let's talk about Noah Ruggles real quick. He was okay. a first-team All-American last year. Does anyone think he can – are you going to mark down that he repeats that? No, just because I think they're just going to use him less because some of those failed red zone visits are going to not be failed anymore. Because if they're not, well, then the whole conversation we just had about CJ doesn't matter because it's not going to happen. I think Noah Ruggles skipping spring football will cost him All-American status this year. I think the voters will hold that. Uh, No, I'm not going to mark it down. I mean, kicker's so random anyway, right? People are just looking around for who made some long field goals and who kicked a lot of extra points because their offense was good. So I don't know, but I'll say no. And I'm just kidding about Mirko. He's going to punt like six times a whole year. Yep. So with that, here are the uh, final tallies. All three of us picking... C.J. Stroud, marking it down, first-team All-American. All three of us picking Jackson Smith and Jigba. Steven and I picking Paris Johnson. Doug picking uh, Trevion Henderson. Steven also picking Marvin Harrison Jr. and Luke Whipler. And Steven and I picking J.T. Tua Milowow. So that's four for me, three for Doug, six for Steven. So let me read real quick, unless you had this, Nathan, the last decade. 2012, two, 2013, two, 2014, two, 2015, four, 2016, four, 2017, three, 2018, one, 2019, four, 2023, 2021, five. As we're, as we're saying, it's not, you know, we're not picking consensus. We're not picking guys who make multiple lists. This is about making one first team All-American list. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 it's important to keep that in mind that it's All-American for a reason. And even at Ohio state, um, where you're guaranteed, almost guaranteed to have one every year, it's hard to get two, three, four more than that. Um, we'll see. That's 30 in 10 years. So right. let me do the math on what that average would be. 30 by 10, three per year. Three per year is the average for the last decade. Doug, anything you want to tell our listeners about the pods coming up this week? Monday, Tuesday, Monday, we talked to offensive linemen. Uh, at around noonish, a little before noon. So we'll probably be getting that up for Tuesday morning. Tuesday, yeah. we talk to linebackers. We'll get that up for Wednesday morning. So then what do we have the rest of the week? Huh, huh. Oh, yeah. Here comes the bus. I think the driving the bus will show up on Thursday. So that'll be last week. We had reacted to what we learned in the morning and got the podcast up like late afternoon, early evening. 
We're going to wait now. It's not as much like breaking news. If there is breaking news, by the way, try the text at 614-350-3315 or go to cleveland.com slash OSU. Like we have multiple ways and we're doing a little more with the videos. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at uh, it's cleveland.com and Ohio State football. If you subscribe there, we do like four minute videos, which are like mini podcast topics mostly. And sometimes if there's something, it's like we do that right after we interview people and say, hey, we just learned this from Donovan Jackson and we talk about it for four minutes. We'll talk about it more on the pod, more in depth, but I would get subscribed to that YouTube channel. Um, we'll try to hit that. We try to hit that decently hard during the season. People seem to like those videos. So that's where we'll talk it out maybe more quickly, but we'll come back in depth. Those will hit in the morning, I think, next week. I think most people in general like when we go in the morning. You wake up, you're making your coffee, maybe you're driving to work or driving to school or whatever and listening. So I think that'll be the plan this week. But bus, bus is coming this week. And the other thing we have to do ahead, I'm, I got really behind. I've been, I've been, you guys listen to all the podcasts where I interviewed the opposing beat writer and we went through Ohio State schedule and I've been like devising, not devising this formula, but it's just like what percent chance does Ohio State have to lose each game, which takes us in the end to a final number. I think Ohio State has a blank percent chance to go 12 and 0. Well, I got desperately behind on the actual written posts for those where the math shows up. So I'm going to try to knock out the ones I'm behind on the posts at cleveland.com slash OSU this week, starting with Iowa on Monday. And we'll get through that, which will then lead us up to a a podcast about Michigan. And we're going to talk about the Ohio State Michigan game. And I think it'll just be the three of us because we, I think, have enough of a grasp of Michigan where we can get a grasp, right? We can have that discussion. And then we'll lead us to a final podcast where I'll say, here's the number that I came up with. I think Ohio State has a blank percent chance to go 12 and 0. And then I think we will discuss that. So those I think are not this week, but the week after. But get ready for the bus. That sounds good. For Doug Lamarice, for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.